is the NT Country Hour on ABC Radio Darwin and the Northern Territory. G'day there, Dan Fitzgerald is my name and thanks for joining me for the program on this Thursday. Well, domestic cattle prices continue to slide with the main price indicator on the East Coast, the Eki, falling below 700 cents for the first time in two years. So what do NT cattle producers make of all of that? It can't stay that high. Um, it was a great thing, awesome thing to have, but the little men just couldn't afford it. And I think that, um, you know, it's always good to have a bit of a, ra- a bit of a check, pull us back into line a bit and um, come back down to earth, I say. Talking cattle prices on the Country Hour today. I'll also tell you about the first delivery of wood chips from the Tiwi Islands to a brand new customer in Southeast Asia. You'll find out who that is in the next hour. And you'll also hear from the Isolated Children's Parents Association, which has been holding its annual conference, where one of the big topics is the need for early learning for kids in remote central Australia. If you're only ever dealing with your own child, you don't know what's normal and what's not. And so critically important for the child to have that peer access and interaction and learn those social skills. Yeah, what's on the ICPA's agenda this year? You'll be hearing from the President, Moira Lanzarin, on the show today. But first up, let's head to the eastern section of the Barclay where the tropical low that has swept through the Territory and is now sitting just over the border in Queensland, it's dropped a lot of rain. An outstation of Alexandria, known as Gallipoli, it's right over near the Queensland border, it's received 320 millimetres of rain in the last 48 hours. Water surrounded the homestead pretty quickly last night and came through several buildings. Taylor Hobbs from Gallipoli spoke to Zara Margolis about the view from her house this morning. Yeah, at the moment all I can just see is water. Um, uh, ocean view it looks like. Um, yeah, it's quite scary really. Yeah, how high is it in terms of in relation um, to the house where you are? Yeah, so it's on our veranda. It's um, probably seven inches from getting into our house. Wow. When did it start going um, up? Oh, yesterday, it, um, when we went to bed, it was fine. It was just at the corner of our yard, and then yesterday morning, it was halfway through our yard, and then, yeah, I think they reckoned it peaked about 3 a.m. this morning, and then it started It's starting to go now. Oh, so it's starting to go down a bit? Yeah, but we've got more rain coming, so mm. I don't know how long it's going to last. <laughs> how long have you been isolated for? Well, we haven't gotten off the station since Valentine's Day, but we've been able to get people flown in and out. But, yeah, for cars to drive out, we haven't been able to get out since Valentine's Day, and before that was December. Are you going okay for supplies? Yes, yes, we're fine. We've got all the neighbours dropping stuff over for us and looking after us. When you say dropping stuff off, are they? is there anywhere for them to even land? At the moment, no. Um, so we're doing a couple of uh, evacuating a couple of people okay. just so we don't have as many people here. Yeah, it's just trying to find somewhere to land yeah. is going to be the hard part. So you're trying to get a few of you off? Yeah, yeah. And is that something that you're organising yourselves or are you like working with council or? 
Um, no, we're organising it ourselves. All our neighbours have helicopters in there, yeah, trying to help us out and get us off onto higher, drier ground. Will you be one of the people that get evacuated out, do you think? Yeah, yeah. So me and my two kids and we've got ten dogs <laughs> um, that we're going to try and get out. Evacuating ten dogs, oh, my gosh. Yeah, well, no, the three um, working dogs will stay back okay. with my husband. But yeah, all my dash hounds will come in with us. <laughs> how many? So, how many people and animals are in the house with you right now? How big's the house? Um, no, so there's a couple of houses. So okay. it's just my husband and my um, two kids and our dogs with like in our house, and then um, we've got our cook. She's got her own house, but it went under last night, so she's overliving at the Gillaroo and Jaffaroo's quarters, and there's six of them um and then we've got our head stockman and our greater driver yep um yeah they're all oh i can hear the dog in the background doesn't sound too happy (laughs) they're not enjoying the rain no No, they're not (laughs) is everyone going okay like how are spirits and things yeah no everyone's fine we were all a bit worried last night and had trouble sleeping last night because we weren't sure when it was going to stop but this morning we're a lot more hopeful that this is the worst is over. Um, yeah. But, yeah, my husband just wants to get people off in case it does decide to turn around and come back. Yeah, he's pretty confident that it won't come up anymore. Yep. Have you ever seen this much rain before? Like, have you been on the station very long? Yeah, so we've been here three years, but we've known, like, we've been with the company 10 years, so we've known what the rainfall's been like on this station our well, last wet season, it came up pretty high, but it only reached our bottom step and people were gobsmacked about it then because, yeah, it just hadn't happened for ages and, um, yeah, it's just not something that happens. Yeah. <laughs> and then this year, blown all records out of water, I think. <laughs> that is Taylor Hobbs. She's from Gallipoli Outstation. It's an outstation of Alexandria. It's right out on the Queensland NT border. Uh, they received a lot of rain in the last 48 hours, 320 millimetres of rain. If you want to see what that looks like, if you jump on Facebook and search for ABC Northwest Queensland, you can see some drone footage that has been taken there by somebody at the station. And it shows, yeah, all the water just surrounding the small number of buildings on that outstation and there's just a sea of water just running over all of that flat country there of the Barclay Tablelands. Uh, That tropical low dropping a lot of rain and also on that Facebook page you can see a video that's taken from a helicopter around Camelwheel. Floodwaters are right up to the edge of the town there and they are crossing the Barclay Highway. As we go to air this afternoon uh, the Barclay Highway is shut at the James River Bridge out near the Queensland border. So if you were planning to drive to Queensland, you might have to reassess your plans. Just keep an eye out on the Roads Report website. Um, In some other Roads Reports, at the Stewart Highway, there is water over the road, sort of 100 k's to the north and south of Tennant Creek in various locations, so please be careful driving around there. Uh, The entire stretch of the Buntine Highway is still closed. Uh, Roper Highway is still closed due to flooding at the Stewart Highway. And the Victoria Highway, heading to Western Australia out of Catherine, it remains closed at the Buntine Highway all the way out to the WA border. Floodwaters from the Victoria River, um, they have receded at the Vic River Roadhouse, though. The bridge 
was under two metres of water there for a couple of days this week. It has reappeared from those floodwaters just this morning. Uh, according to the Bureau, the Vic River is around 18.3 metres and falling at the Vic River crossing. Uh, I spoke a short time ago to the manager at the Roadhouse, Denise Walsh, for an update about how that bridge and the river is looking. It's looked the best. It's looked in a few days, actually. It's, um, the water's gone down and now going under the bridge, which is good. Um, inspectors flew in this morning and inspected the bridge and they've been out, uh, workers have been down there clearing the debris off it. So uh, just waiting for the go-ahead and, um, yeah, keep an eye out for the go-ahead for it to uh, open. And what are you hearing about when that bridge might open? Um, probably late this afternoon. Um, that's a maybe. So, yeah, best to just check um, before you try and travel. But um, it looks like this afternoon sometime the bridge may open. And how much debris was, was on the bridge? Uh, quite a bit. There was quite a lot of uh, large tree trunks and, um, you know, just a lot of grass washed down, clinging to the side of it. Um, but, yeah, it, uh, it looks good now. And are you expecting the river just to keep dropping from now? Oh, hopefully, if we don't get any more rain, um, we should see it keep receding, which will be good. We've heard that in between the Vic River Roadhouse and Timber Creek, um, there are sections of the road that are washed away. Um, what, are, what are you hearing? Yeah, correct. Um, the Timber Creek side is still closed. Um, I did hear from authorities that it was dropping. Um, the water has been dropping that way, so... Hopefully they'll be able to um, have a look at that and, yeah, get some sort of work around in and um, the big highway should be open soon, hopefully. And then uh, hopefully you'll be able to have some customers again and some and some company. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of people waiting to uh, cross that uh, highway, either Timber Creek End or um, Catherine End. I've had a lot, of, a lot of phone calls and a lot of messages. Um, asking me, you know, what it's looking like and what's going on. So, yeah, hopefully they'll be on the move very soon. Yeah, you've been doing a good job at keeping everyone up to date. Thanks a lot for having a chat with the Country Hour. Thanks. No worries. That is Denise Walsh. She's the manager of the Victoria River Roadhouse. The river there is starting to fall. Um, as Denise said, uh, people have been out clearing debris off of that bridge and fingers crossed it could be open sometime soon. Um, if we hear anything, we'll keep you up to date here on the Country Hour. But in the meantime, uh, keep a watch on the NT Roads Facebook page and its website where they hopefully should be keeping you up to date. It is 18 minutes to one here on the Country Hour. G'day, this is Tom Dawkins from the NT Buffalo Industry Council and you're listening to The Country Hour. For the Federal Department of Agriculture, it is in some serious financial woes. The ABC can reveal hundreds of millions of dollars in the red. I'll tell you more after Paul Kelly. Paul Kelly there with Deeper Water. It is 14 minutes to one here on the Country Hour with me, Dan Fitzgerald, on ABC Radio right across the Territory. We're also available via the ABC Listen app 
and pretty much any podcast provider of your choice on your phone. Well, the Federal Department of Agriculture is on the cusp of requiring a financial bailout as it falls hundreds of millions of dollars into the red. The department is cutting costs, it's banned staff travel and training, and has begun sacking contractors because of its financial situation. Warwick Long is speaking here to ABC Rural's Parliament House reporter, Kath Sullivan. We've learned that the department could be in debt to the tune of hundreds of millions of dollars. Now, I've heard differing views as to how long this problem has been festering for, uh, but we know that the department has had to take action and it's notified staff of some of the cost-cutting measures. This includes a ban on all travel and training for staff and the the ending of several contracts for contracted workforce. We understand that uh, permanent staff won't be affected by the cost-saving measures, but the department's already started uh, ceasing or ending contracts with some of its contracted workforce. And it's worth pointing out, Warwick, that the amount of spending that goes on to contractors from the department has really increased over the last little while. About a decade ago, the spend was something like $5 million. More recently in 2021-22, we saw the spend on contractors up close to $90 million um, per year. So uh, that's one area that the department's clearly identified as an area where it can save money. And Kath, this is a department that does important work on behalf of the government, Mm. either managing biosecurity risks, uh, working with industries that, as we've learnt this week, are are valued at over $90 billion right now. Are any of those works from the department at risk? Well, the department tells us that all essential services will continue and remain unaffected by these budgetary constraints. You touch on biosecurity there, and we know the role that uh, our biosecurity frontline plays in protecting agriculture from things like foot and mouth disease, which has the potential to wipe that $90 billion just about off off the trade. But, you know, that's just agriculture. There's $6 trillion worth of environmental assets that could be uh, implicated if we don't have a strong biosecurity defence line. And some of the services that the department provides or performs are things like at quarantine, ensuring that travellers returning from Bali are walking over foot mats to, to disinfect their boots, scanning mail coming into the country to ensure that there's no uh, meat product that hasn't been treated or, or that is coming in with without proper permits, things like sniffer dogs in our airports and at our ports. It's also overseeing uh, our international trade and ensuring regulation of uh, animal welfare standards for live exports. And it's probably worth pointing out was that the Department of Agriculture is a little bit different to other um, federal public bureaucracies in that it's a large amount of its funding actually comes from cost recovery or or fees for services. That is, people who use these services, who use these um, biosecurity services, for example, are the ones who actually pay. And this is a system that hasn't been reviewed um, since 2015, um, so eight years now. And we have seen a lot of changes to the demand on biosecurity services. You think about the way that COVID has impacted the supply chain and our freight and shipping channels um, and just the threats that we're seeing. Um, I touched on African swine fever and uh, foot and mouth disease, which of course are 
inching ever closer to Australia's shores. So the threats are increasing, demand for services is increasing, but somehow the finances haven't been able to keep up and we know that the department's spending more money than it's got coming in. You hear about a government department having a shortfall Mm. in its budget. What does that actually mean, I suppose, in the day-to-day until something is sorted out here? Well, it means that they're spending more money than they've got coming in. We're yet to hear from the government um, since learning about the extent of the the cost blowout at the department. We're hoping the Agriculture Minister, Murray Watt, might be available um, shortly. He has oversight of the department and we know that they've had to cut services. It sounds like a quite a stressful time for people who work within the department, for people who rely on their services. Now, the department's told us that essential services aren't being affected by this cost-cutting endeavour, we'll call it. It says that it is ensuring that it meets all of its statutory responsibilities, that essential services are going ahead. But I think that we're going to see a lot more questions asked about this in the coming days, weeks and months. And now I think it's becoming even clearer that this next coming federal budget, due in just a couple of months in May, we'll need to go some way to addressing um, and funding these really important services. Kath Sullivan, she is ABC Rural's Parliament House reporter. And you can read more on that story up on the ABC Rural website right now. And as mentioned, uh, the ABC has contacted the Minister for Agriculture, Murray Watt, for comment. Aussie kids once rode their bikes to the corner shop. Welcome to our store. For some flour, the paper, some lollies. Where'd everything go? Join Annabelle Crabb to step back through time with the Ferone family. Voila. As they run a corner shop. <laughs> Look at your face. Ferone and son, where is the daughter? Back in time for the corner shop. We're used to running our own business. How hard could it be? Tuesday nights on ABC TV and streaming on ABC iview. Now, six months ago, the Eastern Young Cattle Indicator was riding high at above 1,000 cents per kilo carcass weight. But since then, the Eki has fallen and it's now reached its lowest point in two years, sitting at just under 700 cents. So what do NT cattle producers make of all of this? Well, Tom Edmonds, he runs Henbury Station south of Alice Springs. He took Victoria Ellis for a look around some of his heifers he had in the yard and shared a few predictions for prices ahead. It's very limited at the moment. Apologies, that uh, is the wrong audio there. Uh, We're just looking at a pen full of uh, heifers, maiden heifers. Um, We've just got these into the yard Oh, a couple of days ago to start our educating program and um, they're our future breeders so we're just going to work with them um, educate them and um, yeah because if you do them you start them off right in the start of their life they'll look after you at the end of their life so and it'll just make life easier less labor to try and keep them in the yards get them in the yards and if they're not running they're eating so they're going to gain weight, which is what we need. And they look pretty bright and plump to me. Is that due to the good season? Yes, we've had a good season last year. Um, and then into this new year, we had a good rain over Christmas. But obviously, as everyone knows, it's, um, you know, seasons, good seasons come and bad seasons, you know, they're always around the corner. But we, uh, you know, we manage our country to take in for that um, dry times and then obviously manage it for the good times. 
but this year has been really great. We uh, can't complain, and a lot of other stations are probably in the same boat, or if not better, they've had a ridiculous amount of rainfall this year. So I think it's going to be a great season coming up. The cattle markets have uh, come back a little bit, but you can't complain. And what do you reckon is behind that, um, those cattle markets coming back? Oh, there's a lot of things. There's definitely a lot of things. There's probably a lot more things than I probably could, could know, but definitely uh, the wet season has slowed things down. People are too wet to even move cattle. Um, a lot of the export is another factor. And the money was that high, it was hard to be sustainable. It can't, it can't stay that high. Um, it was a great thing awesome thing to have but the little men just couldn't afford it and I think that um, you know it's always good to have a bit of a, ra- a bit of a check, pull us back into line a bit and um, come back down to earth I say. And will that um, coming back in prices be reflected in the supermarket shelves for consumers? I hope so. I hope so that it makes it affordable for people, families in, in cities and that are you know trying to put um, meals on their tables. I think also that it's um, you know, it's going to probably rise again. I'm not a fortune teller, but I definitely think it's going to... Money will probably pick up again and will fall. But at the moment, it's holding. And everyone can sort of live off this money, I believe, anyway. So we don't need to be millionaires. But as long as we have a great lifestyle and we have a good living, I can't see why not everyone can live. I think you guys have got great living out here. It's beautiful. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No we, um, no, we love what we do. And that's why we do it. Um, and off the back of the uh, awesome season as well, once all this green grass starts to dry off, how concerned are you about fire risk? Um, yeah, that's a great question. We, uh, we always take in the risk of fires. Um, it's, it's, a, it's a terrible thing. You know, you have feed one day and the next day you're into a drought because it's been uh, t- taken over by fire. But no, we put in a lot of fire breaks um, around our fence lines. We keep cleared. So we can contain, if a fire does happen, we can contain it and we can put it out quite efficiently. Um, that's the best way of sort of lowering the risks. You're not going to eliminate it. It's always there. It's just one of those threats. But if you do them sort of steps, you can uh, sleep a bit easier knowing that, you know, you can contain it. He's Tom Edmonds from Henbury Station to the south of Alice Springs, speaking there with our reporter, Victoria Ellis. It is a couple minutes to one here on the Country Hour with me, Dan Fitzgerald. Now, as we heard earlier in the program, the Victoria Highway is still cut by floodwaters, leaving towns like Timber Creek and Kununurra totally isolated because the road to the west is still cut at Fitzroy Crossing. The bridge there is out. And that's meant that fresh food supplies at Kununurra have been running really low. And the Defence Force is now stepping in to help with a plane plane load of supplies now on its way. Chris Burke runs a supermarket in Kununurra and he says he's had to implement rationing at the store because he doesn't have a lot left. It's very limited at the moment. Unfortunately, there's um, no fruit and veg, no fresh meat. Um, There's a little bit of um, butter and cheeses and that sort of thing, but very limited. Mm. And at the moment, you're completely cut off there? Uh, yes, the roads um, are closed, although the road um, at Victoria River, is um, the bridge has been uh, come out of the water, so I think so hopefully it's been checked and there's hope that maybe this afternoon or tomorrow morning mm. the road may be open. So you've been isolated, though, for what, about five days? 
That's correct, yes. It's been five days. So when's that ADF delivery expected? And do you know what's going to be on board? Uh, no, I'm not sure what's on board. Um, it is this afternoon. I've been talking to DFS this morning. They've got an update from them. And uh, it is leaving this afternoon, coming into Kananara. Okay. There's also a barge, a sea barge with supplies on it, uh, arriving soon as well, isn't there? Yes, the barge left Darwin yesterday, sort of thing, and that's got four trailers of um, the fresh fruit and veg on it and uh, supplies for here, Kununurra, Wyndham and some for Halls Creek. So much needed supplies on board. So have you had to ration what you have and limit people's purchases just to make things last? Yes, we have in our store. We have rationed it virtually to one of a particular item, uh, of a group of items, That's to, to make sure it can go around. And, and probably 9% of people have been happy with that, to go through people a little bit upset sort of thing, but overall the general um, public are saying we understand that that's why we're doing it. Again, it needs to be emphasised that there is a fresh fruit part, fresh part of the um the equation is the issue. Mm. There's plenty of dry food, uh, ambient food sourcing that in both our shop and the other shop down the road. So, you know, that's not the issue. Overall then, Chris, how are people doing? Look, most people sort of thing understand that it is the wet season and um, this is what happens. You know, so as I say, 90% of people are quite comfortable with it. But say you always have those others that unfortunately... Um, uh, and there is just people that aren't able to stockpile and you know, put things in their pantry and that sort of stuff. So obviously there is an issue for those sort of people that, you know, for whatever reason, uh, can't afford to um, have those supplies yeah, in, so- their, in their cupboard at time, yeah. Chris Burke, he runs a supermarket in Kununurra. He was speaking there to ABC News 24 a short time ago and it is now on the time of the country. I'd head to the 1 o'clock news. Hello, my name is Sarah. I'm a third-year student studying at Animal Science Faculty, Universitas Gajah Mada. Um, I'm now currently at the Northern Territory for the Indonesia Northern Territory Biosecurity Program. And now you're listening to The Country Hour. G'day there, Dan Fitzgerald is my name, and thanks for joining me for the program. We've still got plenty to come in the next 25 minutes or so, including catching up with the ICPA. That is the group that advocates for education for kids in the bush around the Territory. It's holding its annual conference uh, where it's pushing the importance of early learning for remote kids. If you're only ever dealing with your own child, you don't know what's normal and what's not. And so critically important for the child to have that peer access and interaction and learn those social skills. Yeah, that chat with the ICPA's president, Moira Moira Lanzarin. It'll be on your radio or your podcast in the next 25 minutes. Let's head to the Weather Bureau now, where we've got Rebecca Patrick on the line. How are you? Yeah, I'm good, thank you. That's the way. Rebecca, we um, started the program by hearing from somebody from Gallipoli Outstation. It's an outstation of Alexandria right out on the Queensland border in the Barclay region. Uh, They'd received 320 millimetres of rain in the last 48 hours. Heap of floodwaters go through the homestead. Um, And I guess the main question on their lips and and people in that region is um, how much more rain is set to come from that tropical low that's just over in the Gulf Country? Yeah, the 
the good news is that it is on an easing trend. Um, so, yeah, we have seen some pretty um, outstanding totals over Queensland as well, um, across the border, Riversley, uh, with 279 millimetres to 9am this morning, and Century Mine to 220 millimetres. So some some really big rainfall totals, and, uh, yeah, the... the border areas of, of the Barclay also received that by the sounds of it. Um, that low pressure system, it's still over the Gulf, Gulf country of Queensland and expected to be fairly slow moving today. So we are still seeing rain through that area. Um, but it really is just the border areas of the NT and we are expecting that to be easing off. Um, so from tomorrow, that low should start drifting southwards and then start to um, to weaken as well. So, uh, yeah, that's the, the good news is that um, we have cancelled all warnings for for the NT um, through that area, no longer expected to to receive some of those heavier falls that we have been seeing. Yeah, there's still a lot of uh, water flowing overland in that Barkley region. The Barkley Highway is cut by floodwaters at the moment, so no access um, to Queensland right now. Um, but a little bit further north, uh, Rebecca, you've got an update on the MacArthur River at Borrolula. Yeah, that's right. So we haven't seen too much rain um, through that area. We are seeing that the um, the river is receding, um, still at minor flooding at the moment, but we are expecting that to drop below that minor flood level. Um, that's at Barralula uh, by tomorrow morning. So um, that's good news for that area as well. Yeah, okay. Um, and in terms of rainfall in the in the top end over the next few days, what's the forecast? Uh, so for today, uh, we're expecting to see, and in fact, we are seeing on the satellite and the radar already um, showers and storms um, across the top end. Uh, there is a slight chance we could see some heavier falls over northern parts of the Daly and the northwest Arnhem district um, with thunderstorms this afternoon, um, just with the, those storms uh, tracking fairly slowly in a, in a uh, southwest to northeast direction. Um, that that could produce some of those heavier falls. Uh, but from tomorrow, we are expecting to see some dry air pushing up into the top end. So those showers and storms should contract northwards um, to northern parts of the top end. Um, and even across the weekend, we might not even see any storms or, the, or they will be fairly few and far between. Um, so, yeah, mostly dry day for most places across the top end uh, for the weekend. And um, also a little bit earlier in the program, we heard from some of the Victoria River crossing. Um, what's the update on, on where the, the river level is at there? Yeah, good news there as well. Um, so those floodwaters have receded back below the the bridge level at the Victoria Highway, so that's the um, Victoria River crossing. Um, we still do have a warning current for areas below Battle Creek, so um, there still is elevated flood levels through that area, um, but uh, yeah, those are expecting to, to recede as well um, over the next few days. Um, so yeah, good news through that, and uh, there'll be a few assessments of the, the road I imagine today. Yeah, I'm told there's inspectors out there um, clearing debris off that bridge um, this afternoon. Um, for Central Australia, Rebecca, um, how are the next few days looking? 
Yeah, um, fairly cool for this time of year at the moment. So I've got those southeasterly winds um, have pushed through. Uh, Alice Springs got down to 11 degrees uh, overnight, so downright chilly for this time of year. Um, and expecting um, temperatures today uh, only getting up to around 30 degrees. Um, over the next few days, those temperatures will start to uh, rise just a few degrees um, uh, through the weekend so weekend temperatures getting up into those mid to high 30s again um, but we are expecting uh, pretty much sunny conditions through the week Okay, uh, anything else we need to be aware of today Rebecca? Um, I think that's the main things uh, just for mariners we have had warnings out but they have been finalised this morning so all of those winds dropping back below strong wind thresholds. Great. You have a good day. Thanks. No worries. Thank you. Uh, it's Rebecca Patrick there at the Weather Bureau. It is 12 minutes past one. Hey, g'day. This is Dyson McBean. We're out here on Florina Road working on a few rodeo cattle and you're listening to The Country Hour. you're with me, Dan Fitzgerald, on ABC Radio right across the Territory this Thursday lunchtime. Well, Australia has a long history of exporting cattle and wheat to Indonesia and now looks set to increase its shipments of wood chips. According to Midway Limited, which is Australia's largest wood chip exporter, Indonesia has become a net importer of timber and has just taken its delivery, its first delivery of wood chips from the Tiwi Islands. To learn more, Matt Brand spoke to Midway's Chief Executive, Tony McKenna. So Indonesia's always been a big pulp and paper producer, but largely been um, self-sufficient with their, with their resource. And it now appears that the, um, there's a declining domestic supply of uh, wood in Indonesia, and they're expanding their pulp mill capacity. Um, and so this presents some great opportunities for some of our um, projects, particularly our Tiwi Island project, the Port Melville, is a is a good place to export from um, Tiwis to um, Sumatra in Indonesia. You've already done a shipment of wood chips out of the Tiwi Islands to Indonesia. Can you tell us about that? Yeah, so um, out of uh, Port Melville you know, last month, we sent our first vessel. It was a um, a smaller vessel, six days sailing to Sumatra. It was. Um, ideal for uh, our loading and, and their discharge. Um, it was the first vessel from the Tiwis to Indonesia. It's the first vessel of wood chips out of Australia to Indonesia since 2019. Mm. Um, and uh, we hope it's the first of many. Um, we've certainly got some arrangements where we expect several more to be going later this year. So going forward, how big a customer could Indonesia become, do you think? Um, we'll start off slowly and uh, with some small volumes over the next uh, year or so, but um, just because of the proximity, it makes a lot of sense to be sh exporting from Australia to Indonesia. Um, and you know, currently, uh, China and Japan dominate the market and they're the um, critical customers for us, but um, the emerging um, Indonesian demand is a, is a really important dynamic. The sailing time from the Tiwi Islands to Indonesia uh, much shorter than trying to get to Japan and China. What do you think this could all mean for your operations there on the Tiwis? 
it's it's just a natural market for us to be exporting to the the convenience um you know the vessels that are going to china and japan are, are going past indonesia and they haven't needed our wood chips in the past but that um that supply demand dynamic is changing and that creates the opportunity for us to uh, to take advantage of um, cheaper freight costs um which makes our, our products going in there more competitive is it easy to summarise what the price of wood chips is doing at the moment? The price of wood chips is uh, is increasing. We um, expect to see a twenty dollar uh, bone dry metric ton increase for our benchmark eucalyptus globulus price uh, in the coming weeks. Um, that's twenty dollars on a um, new price will be around two hundred US dollars. Um, so it's a, it's a reasonable increase, and what we've seen. Out of Vietnam, the acacia mangum uh, price out of Vietnam has been historically around $125. It's now closer to $170. So we've seen some increased demand that's seen uh, increasing prices. Right, and so it's that acacia mangum price that is relevant to the Tiwis, yes? That's very relevant to the Tiwis because that's what we're growing on Melville Island. And so paint a picture for us of what the year looks like there on the Tiwis for those plantations. Yeah, so we'll um, as the the wet clears, we'll um, recommence our harvesting operations. We have a total of thirty thousand hectares as part of a, an arrangement with the um, Tiwi Plantation Corporation, and uh, there's eighteen thousand hectares still standing for for harvest, and um, we will get into those, uh, hoping to uh, export eight to nine vessels for the year. It's a project that's had so many ups and downs over the years but does it feel like the stars are aligning for the Tiwis? It does it does on a number of fronts we're getting um, better prices for the product and the market's good and that's critical Um, we are looking at the second rotation and that's the second planting which was as you say there's been some ups and downs and was looking very difficult the new um, carbon rules and the ACUs the Australian carbon credit units that are generated from planting plantations uh, changes the economics of that second rotation, and 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 we're now confident that that'll go ahead and you know continue the employment of sixty people on Tiwi Islands, you know, a third of whom are um, Tiwi people. Uh, it's it's you know it's a, it's a really important social as well as economic project for the region. Right. So the new trees going in there at the Tiwis will be eligible for carbon credits. Yeah, that's right, because they will be going into an area which wouldn't otherwise have been replanted into a plantation. And so under Schedule 1 of the um, the plantation methodology, uh, that attracts or earns, that activity earns ACUs. Tony McKenna, he is the CEO of Midway Limited, speaking there to Matt Brand. It is 18 minutes past one here on the Country Hour. Time now for a song and up after this... Uh, We're going to catch up with the ICPA, the Isolated Children's and Parents Association, to hear about its priorities for the year ahead. John Mayer there. My name is Dan Fitzgerald and this is The Country Hour on ABC Radio right across the Territory. We're on the ABC Listen app, the podcast and Channel 25 on your telly. Well, the Anti-Isolated Children's and Parents Association held its annual conference in Darwin yesterday. The group helps parents and kids of those living in remote areas with access to education and a bunch of other stuff. 
I spoke earlier to Moira Lanzarin from Kudati Station, who is the NTICPA president, to hear what the organisation has been discussing. This year, it was a virtual conference. Every three years in the Territory, we do State Council yeah, conference virtually. It worked really well. Uh, we decided to combine it with uh, State Council meetings, and so we had as many as possible in Darwin and hosted out of Darwin. The, but... Um, the feedback uh, has been really, really positive and the weather actually worked in our favour and so there wasn't too many uh, technical and communication hiccups yesterday, but um, so that was great. Yeah, the weather, um, there would have been a few of your members who were sort of flooded in or weren't yeah, able to get out, um, but they were in the office for the... Yeah, so it worked in our favour. The, the Interestingly, to hear, whilst there's so many of us in the top end and dealing with flooded roads and whether you can get in or out or, or our office bound and then to hear from some of the Central Australian, I was like, no, we're full sun, it's all uh, pretty normal and so some were busy cutting hay and carting hay and um, but yeah, they were making sure that they have slotted in ICPA conference day in around it. So that's great because conference day is all about the members and it's their day. And so what were some of the big topics of discussion had? So it was reporting back and um, t- and celebrating our successes of the last month, uh, last 12 months and overall a bit um, and then also hearing from the members and so yeah a big one was the changes to the student assistance scheme that the NT education department offers our rural families and so some really positive changes there which are live and active now and so improvements to accessing that and simplifying the whole process so that's pretty exciting uh, communications always comes up and some early childhood uh, stuff as well, as well as roads. We all need to uh, travel on them, yeah, whether it be for education, uh, lifestyle, medical, and without good roads. Yeah, the Territory can't be connected. Yeah, for sure. Um, in Central Australia, um, you've been talking about uh, getting some access to some early childhood education. Why is that important for, for kids out bush? Yeah, look, um, for some families, it's their only chance to interact with their peers and other families. And so it's essential for that early learning and development of the child, uh, plus also um, uh, the early identification if there is any um, possible uh, learning or health uh, issues for the child. If you're only ever dealing with your own child, you don't know what's normal and what's not. And so critically important for the child to have that peer access and interaction and learn those social skills, but also just as important for the families and so for the mothers and fathers to have that interaction with other um, uh, ones as well and get the support needed to give the best for their families and their education. On connectivity, um, we've been hearing there's uh, a few different new internet providers in that yep. uh, remote space. Yep. Is connection getting better and easier? Uh, look, yeah, it is, and it's exciting. And with anything, 
and with technology, full stop. There's always going to be uh, hiccups and challenges, and some days you wonder whether being connected is a good thing or not. <laughs> the, um, but the reality is we simply can't uh, live our modern lives without it, and we can't educate our kids without good activity. Uh, connectivity and data and sharing the and so the new providers and the low yeah, earth orbit satellites the leos yeah, they're actually offering yeah hope on the skyline the um but we're also hearing very mixed reports as to yeah, some places they're extremely successful. There's some places they're still quite challenging with uh, regular dropouts and stuff. And so the um, one size doesn't fit all uh, with the right access to internet. And so it's just a matter of trying to keep working and making sure that we get the kids online and that the families are supported in that cost and the um, setup of that. And with all the big rains we've seen across the top end um, in that late January, um, did you hear some stories about uh, kids having difficulty getting to boarding school and getting out of the properties? Yeah, look, I'm sure there were lots of examples of those. Um, I didn't hear too many of them, to be honest. Uh, um, I think most of... uh, in a lot of cases, the kids were already safely back at school before the big heavy rains yeah, actually hit. But um, there's always challenges. Um, and I think that's what our bush families are so, so good at doing. You know, it's like you're throwing the curveballs, uh, the hurdles, and you just uh, catch them as you go or jump over them. Yeah, you just keep dealing with them as they come. The Bush families are an amazingly resilient mob and just so proud to be part of an organisation like um, ICPA that's supporting those families, doing the best for their kids. And just lastly, Maura, um, how was the wet season at your place at Kudadi near Mataranka? It's so nice seeing yeah, green grass, yeah, seeing good yeah, for the first time in a long time. We're actually above our long-term average, and so that's a nice start. And, it's always good for the soul to see green grass and fat cattle. Um, so happy faces. That's good to hear. Uh, thanks for coming in and having a chat with the Country Hour. Uh, thanks, Dan. Always a pleasure. That is Moisa Lanzarin. She's the president of the Anti-Isolated Children's and Parents Association. And that's about all we have time for on the Country Hour today. Um, if you missed the start of the program, you missed the story of Gallipoli Outstation on the Barclay, which received 320 millimetres of rain in the last 48 hours, causing floodwaters to push through the station complex. This is what Gallipoli Outstation's Taylor Hobbs told the ABC. So it's on our veranda. It's um, probably seven inches from getting into our house. When we went to bed, it was fine. It was just at the corner of our yard, and then yesterday morning it was halfway through our yard, and then, yeah, I think they reckon it peaked about 3 a.m. this morning, and then it started It's starting to go now. Yeah, you can see some images of that flooding at the station on the ABC Northwest Queensland's Facebook page, or keep an eye on the ABC Rural Online page later this afternoon. That's it for me for the Country Hour for today. I'll speak to you tomorrow. Take it easy. <music> 